place. We thank you for what you're doing in the midst of your people. Now, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that as I go forth with the word, that the word comes forth with power. It comes forth with demonstration. I thank you for my helper and my teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Let's hear what God has for the body of Christ on today. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, the first chapter. God is still taking us in the book of Colossians. There's the reasons for, reason for all things, amen? And I'm going to start at Colossians 1, and I'm going to begin at verse 16, and I'm going to end at verse 18. Colossians, the first chapter beginning at verse 16, ending at verse 18. And we thank God for his word because this is his word. We want to honor his word while the word of God is being spoken. Amen. The word of God says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, mean first place. I want to talk about today a Christ-centered church. A Christ-centered church. I'm going to tell you, God is so good because God is teaching us dealing with the order of the church and when we know the order of the church and how things should be in the body of Christ, then we won't have isms and schisms in the body of Christ. Or so when we have the isms and schisms, we'll know how to get rid of them so we can um, do the church the way that God will have the church to be done. So in this scripture right here, first of all, when we get to that first part and it says, for by him were all things created. I had to stop there because God was letting me know that everything that we see, visible or invisible, whether in heaven or on earth, was made by Jesus, was made, was created by him. When we go to John, the first chapter, it tells us that without him, nothing was made. So when you began to meditate on that, knowing that he is the word, Jesus is the word, when you meditate on that and know that everything exists because of the word. Now, I want you to take just a moment to think about this. It takes the word. For everything that was created, it takes the word for it to operate. This is why the Bible says, upholding all things by the word of his power. See, the enemy does not want you to have the word. He does not want you to be in the word. He don't want you to talk about the word because he knows that there's power that comes through the word of God. So this is why Paul is reminding the Colossians. He said, everything was made by him. Without him, nothing exists. Without him, nothing could have been made or could have existed. 
This is why when we go into Genesis and we look at the book of Genesis and we see in the beginning, you know, it was the word. The word was there in the beginning with God. We know the word is God. We know that the heaven and earth would not be here if it was not for God speaking forth, let there be light. And then there was light. So we know that Jesus was in the beginning with God. Actually, God is the father. He's the son. He's the Holy Spirit. And they, he they're all one they're all part of the trinity so what i want you to see on today is that without the word you cannot exist without the word you will not exist even though you hear your life is in the word you are a spiritual being just like you feed your body food the bible says that man does not Live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when the enemy was tempting Jesus, which Jesus is the word, he was reminding him. He said, look here. He said, man, don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. We're getting to the place that we think we don't need the word, that we don't need the word. The Bible tells you that. Everything was created by the word. That's how you come into existence is because of the word. And everything that's on the inside of you functions according to the word. Everything around you functions according to the word. So why do we get to the place that we think we don't need to be in the word? Because we think we have everything we need. But you cannot live outside of the word. You will die. So when we go back to this and we look in the beginning, God was showing me something. And as I was looking at the beginning, how God set things up, he loved us so much, y'all. When he set everything up, he gave dominion to man. He gave it to us. He said, I want you to rule and I want you to reign over everything that I have spoken to existence. Everything that I have made, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you rule over it. So when it get out of order, you put it back in order just like it was made through my... Oh my goodness, y'all don't understand. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just preaching myself happy because I'm going to tell you now, I got a few testimonies that's going to prove to you that you cannot live by bread alone. You got to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if you don't know the words that's proceeded out of the mouth of God, I'm here to tell you, you ain't living. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how good your job look, your husband, your wife, your kids. I don't care how much education you got. Without the word, the rhema word, you ain't got nothing. Some people are living off money. You're living off family. You're living off your surroundings looking good. But I'm here to tell you, in order for your surroundings to get right, money can't fix it. You need the word. You need the word. So in the beginning, he set the kingdom up according to the word. So what he wanted to do, he said, I want to bring my kingdom of heaven down here to earth. So he set it up in the Garden of Eden. He gave Adam, which Adam means male and female, because at that point when he created man, Adam, when you look it up, is talking about both beings. So Eve was already in Adam. 
But God did a separation because that's something that he wanted to do. He wanted to bring them together, back together as one, so they would have a family so they can, what, populate the earth. But getting back to the part of how he created it with words, it said, through faith, we understand, do we, (laughs) that the worlds were framed by the word of God. But it was faith-filled words, y'all. God believed what he spoke. He just didn't speak it and didn't believe it. God believed it and he spoke it and he didn't just wait on it to happen. He knew that it happened the moment that he spoke it because light was not there at first. But when God said, let there be light, light was created days after. But God knew he had light because he saw the light even before it come into existence because there's power in the word of God. So when we look in the beginning and how he set man up, The first thing he told him to do, he said, everything that I have created, y'all, this is so good. He said, everything that I have created, he said, I want you to watch over it. I want you to keep it. I want you to guard it. He said, because I'm giving you the right to do so. So if it get out of order, I want you to put it back in order. That's what it means to guard and keep. And he said, all of these animals, he said, I'm giving you the right to name them. Oh. Guess what? God is in heaven. Them animals is on earth. So he said, they're up under your authority. He said, you give them names, Adam. So Adam began to name those animals. So he was in paradise. He had that right to rule over earth. He had that right to guard and watch over creation, what God had brought into existence. Y'all, that is so phenomenal. That is so awesome to know that our father, which sits in heaven, loved us so much that he said, I'm going to give you right and I'm going to give you authority on earth to put everything back like it's supposed to be in heaven. But God had it set up like he wanted it set up. So it wasn't too much that he had to keep and guard over. He just had to make sure everything was coming into alignment. But the old slew foot come in the garden, didn't he? And when he come in the garden, you know, he come in there with trickery. He come in there with deceit. He come in there to twist the word of God. Why was he twisting the word? Because he know the word has life. He know the word brings life. He know the word brings power. He said, the only thing I have to mess with is the word. And if I mess with the word, I'm going to mess with you. Because if you doubt even what the word is saying, you're going to lose your right. You're going to lose your authority. And you're going to turn it over to me. So he said, right now in this room, y'all got authority. But it's meaningless. Because if you ain't connecting with the word and know about the word, you speaking it don't mean nothing because it ain't got in you yet. So then the Lord began to show me this. He said, you know how I gave Adam authority to guard over that garden, to watch it, to keep it. Y'all know he lost it. Because he let the enemy, uh, you well, Eve let the enemy use her, and then she, he listened to the wife. But after all of that was lost, God said, I want you to think about this. He said, everything he's supposed to have been guarding. He said, you are my temple. He said, I put you in charge over that temple. He said, when sickness tried to come and attack you, I told you to be on guard. He said, when your finances start acting up to a my temple I told you to be on guard 
He said, when anything come in to affect my temple, you're supposed to be on guard. You're supposed to be the one keeping it the way I create. Y'all, come on. The way I created it to be. You're supposed to say, uh-uh, you are illegally trespassing. How did you get in here anyway? Who told you that you can come up in here? Now, I forbid you. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Didn't you hear what I said? See, that's how you keep and guard over what God has given you to keep and guard over. You don't let it have a field day. See, last Sunday we talked about how the enemy wants your mind. Is that not right? See, when you get a good word from the Lord, his job is to do what? To steal it. Because he know I got to take what's going to keep you. See, I got to take the word from you. So when you get a good word and God is telling you by Jesus Christ, you are already healed. He said, I got to take that because I know there's healing and redemption. He said, so I'm going to take that word and I'm going to make you feel like you're not healed. But how many know we don't go on feelings? We go on what the word of God is saying. So we got to remember that nothing would exist without the word. And that's the part we leave out. Because we don't want to get in it. We don't want to be a part of it. And this is what God was telling me. As I was doing all of this, God said, I want you to talk about the word. I want you to walk. He said, talk about it. Walk. And while you're talking about it, living it. And I want you to, no, I'm going to back up. He said, I want you to do everything that the word of God is telling you to do. When you do that, He said, when you talk the word, when you live the word, he said, you can do exactly what I done when I was here on earth. So what we got to learn is we got to be about his business. And that's what a Christ-centered church does. Now, y'all, even in all this, even in all the messaging, God has said, everything I created, he said, it came through the word of God. He said, so I want you to realize that nothing would have been created without the word. We could not be here without the word, y'all. So we got to understand that if we don't use the word, we're walking around here spiritually dead. We're walking around here just like a sinner because we're not taking what gives us life because the word is what quickens us. The word is what brings life. He said, my words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Where am I going? Because things pop up, things happen as you're going along your way. Now, just because you say you save and you miss hell, there's more to it than just that. Every day, your mind got to be renewed to who you are now that you in Christ. It got to be transformed because if not, things begin to sneak up on you. They begin to bring pressure. They begin to bring anxiety. But when you're reminding yourself who you are now that you in Christ Jesus, then things will begin to change. So as I'm studying up on this and taking a little bit at a time dissecting that thing and meditating on that thing and it's becoming real in my life let me tell y'all something the enemy will come in and try to hit every which way he can so while I'm in the word something came in and tried to attack me y'all know this bugs and stuff that's in there trying to attack me cough trying to come this trying to act up and everything but I kept speaking the word I kept being about the word I kept talking the word and then God said then you can be healed because if you speak in my word you don't go on how you feel you go on what my word is saying you ain't denying how you feeling but you're gonna go on what my word is telling you to do so I just kept speaking 
speaking the word. Through all of that, I'm going to get a call. And there is Sister Denise. And I said, okay, what's going on, Brother Willie? It was just like I was a doctor checking in. Okay, what's going on, Brother Willie? What's up, Brother Willie? What's happening, Brother Willie? Brother Willie was a go-getter. He was giving me details, some things he didn't have to send me. Anyway, Brother Willie was so much on it with his wife. And he can tell you better than I can, but I'm telling you, y'all, how the word works. Brother Willie had called me, Sister Nice called me uh, Monday, and you can barely hear her. She was on her job, could barely hear. And I'm saying, what is this woman doing at work? And like she is. Next thing I know, next call I get, she's at the doctor's office. She's not feeling well. I said, okay, so I'm speaking the word of God over Sister Denise. Next thing I know, on Tuesday, it was Tuesday, she still wasn't feeling well. I believe her temperature was 103 on Monday. Tuesday, she still wasn't feeling well. So as I was talking to her, I said, okay, Sister Denise, how you doing? I'm doing good, Apostle, could barely talk or whatever, and Brother Willie, he's there right beside his wife, so they had to go back in on Wednesday, right, Brother Willie? I'm going to let you tell it. He told me, I, I, I can do it. I said, he had to take her back on Wednesday because the doctor was saying with the stuff that she was having, she had a touch of pneumonia. This is what he was saying. So I'm saying, Sister Denise ain't got no pneumonia. This is what I'm saying. Sister Nice ain't got no pneumonia. Now, so Brother Willie was telling me everything. So Sister Nice go back in there on Wednesday. When she go back in on Wednesday, first of all, they say she was dehydrated, right? So she go back in on Wednesday, and um, Brother Willie said, I'm going to let you know. I said, okay. So I'm saying, Sister Nice to heal the Lord because I had the peace of God. So Brother Willie, he was calm. Calm, wasn't you, Brother Willie? Next thing I know, I get a call, and Brother Willie tore up from the floor. He said, Apostle, they said my wife got full-blown pneumonia. They done called the ambulance. They're transporting her to the hospital. They're going to admit her to the hospital, Apostle. I said, Brother Willie, calm down. She's healed. I said, I don't care what they say. She is the healed of the Lord. Sister Denise is the healed of the Lord. She's fine. Brother Willie said, okay, Apostle. So I'm talking to Brother Willie all the way. He on our 40. I'm calling him back. How you doing, Brother Willie? I'm doing better now, Apostle. I'm doing better. You don't encourage me. I'm doing better. They're going to take my girl here, leave her in the emergency room, put stuff in her arm. But this is what I told Brother Willie. I said, Brother Willie, on the third day, he rose. And me and Brother Willie laughing on the phone. So, Brother, so Sister Nice back there in the emergency room. They're going to put her IV in her arm because she was dehydrated, right? So as I'm waiting for the call, I see a picture of Sister Denise. Before all this happened, I heard Sister Denise call me and say, Apostle, I feel good. I said, thank you, Jesus. The next picture I see, them sending her home. So next thing I know, she stayed there for how long, Brother Willie? Stayed there, laying there in the emergency room. I called Brother Willie. I said, Brother Willie, what's up? Apostle, my wife home. They sent her home. They said she ain't got no pneumonia. X-rays. But this is what I told Brother Will. I said, that that they saw, they ain't going to see it no more. So they sent her home. And guess what? The third day. Friday, my girl is on the phone. I'm coming to the leadership meeting, Apostle. She at the leadership meeting. And what did you see on Sunday morning? She's singing to the glory of God. Why? Why am I telling you this? 
Because the word is what brings life. And you got to counteract what you're hearing with the word and say, God, that ain't what you told me. That ain't what you said. So look, proof is right there. It's right there. It's sitting right there behind, right there. So I'm telling you, then th- that ain't the end of it, y'all. I'm going back through the message, but that ain't the end of it. You see that lady sitting over there, Apostle Cross. I'm going to pick up my daughter on Thursday. I talked to her on Wednesday. I could barely hear her. Talked to her on Thursday. Couldn't talk to her no more, so we had to text. She had no voice. So I get off the phone. I said, ah, devil is a lie. Fight over here. The devil is a lie. Because, see, she has to make those calls at spectrum. Because, see, she's always at 100%. Over. So I said, Pastor, you going to work? She didn't answer me. I said, she must be knocked out. But later on, she, she texts me back. I'm here to tell you, this was Thursday. Friday, I get a call from this woman on break. Say something. She talking. Come on, somebody. The word works. She said, this ain't going to defeat me. I ain't going down like this. The woman talking could barely talk. I'm trying to tell y'all something in this place. What I'm trying to tell you, get your mind off a man and put it on him. Because the word is your final authority. And if you don't know the word, you're killing your own self. You got to hear him. You got to hear. Now, in between all of that, I'm going through. Between both of them, I'm going through. I'm up here speaking over them, giving God glory. Then I'm getting calls early in the morning, somebody else going through. And here I am saying, okay, God, I'm finna handle this right here too. Then I get another call. The person's still going through. I said, ah, what did the word say? So guess what? Something came in and tried to attack me from every last one. And I said, the devil is a liar. Could my husband know I'm in the bed coughing. Just a coughing. I said the devil is a lie. The more I spoke the word, the more the cough came. Even thinking about the word, the more the cough came. But I said, God, even this morning before I got up, I'm coughing. And I said, God, I'm going to preach your word regardless of what my body is saying. I'm going to decree and I'm going to declare what you said. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Uh-uh. Y'all don't hear me. See, we take the word to play with. We take the word to play with. We take the word lightly. And that's the last thing we go into when we're going through something. Because we don't think the word has power. I'm here to tell you, these are your illustrations. The word works. The word has power. Y'all, on top of that, y'all going to think this is funny too. On top of me going through, you know you got to be a good grandmother. My son said, Mama, I want to take Yana somewhere and do something with her. And I'm going to take Ariel and we're going to go over here and do something. And I'm just going to take the baby and I'll sit in the car with the baby. And, you know, they can do what they have to do. I said, you're not sitting in the car with her. You bring over here. I'll take care of the baby. See, one thing I knew was God takes care of me. 
Now, you don't do things ignorantly. You don't do them just to do them to make it work. You do it because you know it work. See, the problem with us, we try to make this word work, y'all. We try to do stuff to make it work. See, that's not what happened with the word of God. God didn't do nothing but speak. Because he had faith in the word. But let me tell you something, though, too. You have to listen when wisdom is speaking. Because I remember my daddy told me, we was talking on the phone. He said, you stay in that house. You rest. Don't you go nowhere. I wasn't planning on it. Because I'm, I'm in this house and I'm going to stay in my word. So daddy say, it takes rest. I say, amen, daddy. Because sometimes you can keep running and running and running and running and running till you deplete yourself of what you need. But this is what I'm telling you. I was resting in the word. See, the word got to be mixed with faith in order for you to have rest. See, some of you are resting without mixing the word with faith. Some of you are saying, I'm going to rest and it's going to be better or I'm going to wait it out. You better be taking the word as your medicine. The word is your medicine. When a doctor prescribes medicine, you have to take it three, four times a day. Why? Because they know how your, they, they say they know how your body's supposed to operate. But when you take the word three, you can take it in a minute, you can overdose. You know why you need to overdose? Because the flesh need to die. See, I'm getting ready to kill you today. I'm getting ready to overdose you and give you some of my elixir, which is the word of God, because you acting like you ain't never had it before. So I'm finna overdose you on by Jesus stripes. I was already healed. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> so the enemy does not want you to get into truth. Because he knows when you know the truth, when you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. Now, let me tell you how God set this thing up. So God had the word with him in creation. And he created everything like he wanted to be, apostle. God, God's so smart. He's so intelligent. He got it going on. He said, okay, I got the word with me in creation. I done created everything like I want it to be. I put man in place to rule over everything for me. Man messed it up. He said, but I got something else in place, but it's not going to come forth before time. He said, so while we waiting on the word to manifest itself, I'm going to use the mouth of prophets to speak for me. See, this is where prophets come in at. I'm going to allow them to speak on my behalf. So they spoke forth the Messiah. And then the Bible said, now remember, God used faith-filled words to frame the universe. Did he not? Upholding all things by the power of his word. That means the word is what keeps stuff from falling. If stuff is crumbling in your life, it's because it's not being maintained by the word of God if your marriage is tore up from the floor up it's not being maintained by the word of God if sickness keep hitting your house your body ain't maintained by the word of God if your finances look terrible is they're not being maintained upheld by the word of God so whatever is happening to you believers is because you're not maintaining it with the word of God so God said okay everything is in place now it's time for the Messiah to come forth. Y'all know he used who? Mary. And he gave Mary the word from Gabriel. And Mary said, be it unto me. Y'all get it. According to your word. But it's another thing I want y'all to, um, 
know what the word of God is saying. Go to Luke, the first chapter. And this is what Mary said. Oh, I love this. I love the word. Listen to what Mary said. She said, be it unto me according to your word. But this is what verse 37 said. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That means no word from God shall be without power. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. No word of God shall be without power, y'all. So this is why we have to use the word of God. Because there's power in his word. Everything came in existence through the word of God. So when we see that Mary accepted the word, she conceived the word, and guess what? The Holy Spirit came and overshadowed her, and then that seed became who? Became Jesus. But guess the Bible says that the word, oh, I love it, became flesh and dwelled among us. Remember, the word was with who? With God. But then the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Guess why the word had to become flesh to dwell among us? I'm going to see if you caught it. Because God said, I need for the word to come to earth and put heaven here on earth. So everything that Jesus did when he come to earth, he was representing the father to let you know when I go be, go back to the father, you need to do what I done, Christ-centered church. So he had to come down here himself and show us how the earth should be run by the word of God. Come on, y'all. It was nothing that the word come up against that the word did not defeat. Jesus was winning victories here on earth. When the man had the withered hand, the word came in and spoke to that withered hand and that man was healed. When the woman had the issue of blood and heard about the word of God, she had no more issue. When two blind men began to call on the word, they didn't have no more. So the word was doing demonstration here on earth to show us there's life in the word. There's healing in the word. There's deliverance in the word. There's prosperity in the word. He was saying you cannot do without this word on earth because the earth is corrupt and you're living in the midst of corruption, but you don't have to because you have power in you. Jesus said, I'm tired of being locked up. He, oh, oh, y'all was so good. I got to go to this part. Got to go to this part. I am. Colossians. Go back to Colossians. Remember I said that Jesus said he was tired of being locked up. Listen at this. I'm going to see if you caught this. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth. Visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, all of that. But listen at this. All things were created by him and for him. I want to get to the four part. Guess what the four is? To bring him glory. See, everything he created supposed to reveal his glory. Y'all don't get it. You're supposed to be revealing him here on earth. Jesus revealed the father here on earth. Jesus said, it's not about me. It's about my father. Everything my father tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. What I saw my father do, I'm going to do it here on earth. He was giving us an example of how God wanted the earth to be. He was bringing the kingdom here on earth. So then when we look at that, y'all look at the two fish, five loaves of bread. Jesus knew that ain't kingdom. He said kingdom brings abundance. 
Kingdom brings multiplication. When you have little, kingdom is going to bring much. It's not going to give you just enough. It's going to give you more than enough. So we got to understand God just don't give you enough to get by. He give you enough to help somebody else. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. He said, what our problem is, we're begging too much for us. We need to be saying, God, I know what I need. But outside of what I need, Manny needs something. So I need extra to help Manny. And Manny's saying, I need extra to help Tyson. And Tyson is saying, I need extra to help Calvin. Calvin is saying, I need extra to help Della. Get your mind off you. That's why we never have enough, because we're only looking at our house. It ain't your house, it's his house. He's the head of the house. We're the body. He's the head. And if you, if this head ain't right, the body ain't right. He said, you forgetting who I am. He said, you supposed to be bringing me glory. And you bring me glory through revealing me. How am I revealed? Through the power of my word. He said, I'm not being revealed in the church because people don't even know they're the church. This is the building. You're the church. Everywhere you go, you're supposed to be revealing him. Everywhere Jesus went, they saw the father. But this is funny. His own disciples walk with this man, talk with this man. And old Philip said, show us the father. (laughs) Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time. And you asking me to show you the father? You done lost your mind. You don't know I'm in the father and the father in me. Hold up, y'all. We got a lot of Phillips in this room. Because this is what we do, apostle, when something going on. Lord, show me that you're God today. Show me, Lord, that you're here with me today. Lord, if you take the pain, I know you're here. Lord, if this bill get paid, I know you're here. God said, no, you don't. Because if you knew I were here, you would knew what my word said. I would never leave you. Nor shall I forsake you. Didn't I say I will be with you forever? Didn't I say heaven and earth shall pass away? Yo, this is the thing. But my word shall remain. Can y'all think about how powerful the word is? Everything is going to pass. He said, but my word is not. See, the enemy don't want y'all to have this word today. He didn't want you to have the word. This is how he attacked y'all. Y'all got to understand, when you are in a Christ-centered church, that's the place he want to drive you out of. He don't want you to be in a church that's centered around Christ. He wants you to be in a church that's centering around everything else and Christ ain't in it. But they're saying, Lord, Lord. Just because they say, Lord, Lord, don't mean that he's in the midst of them. So that's why he takes people out of a place that's getting taught and put them in a place to live just like the world is living and singing, oh, how I know Jesus. But if you knew him, you will be about him. Because Jesus did not change. When he walked upon the sinners, 
He knew what his mission was. He knew what the father sent him to do. And just because he was in the midst, he knew why he was in the midst. Jesus said, I didn't come for the ones that's well. I came for the ones that's sick. He said, I came to hit to, uh, what is it? Um, not for the, uh, for the loss. He came to save the lost. So what am I telling you? Every day that we go out in the teachings that we get, our focus should be on the lost. It shouldn't be on us. It should be on the ones that don't know him. God, as I get up this morning, God, you know what I desire to do. But it's somebody out there that don't know you. So help me, God, to come um, against, come up against some that don't know you. Help me to meet some that don't know you so I can tell them about you. This is why we have to be in the word. You cannot do it outside of the word. This is why Jesus said, if I be lifted up, that don't mean we singing Jesus in this house. That means because he was lifted up on that cross. That's what drew all men unto him. How do we lift him up? By telling people what he done. Telling people that he died in my place. I should have been the one that died. But he loved me so much. He died for me. He didn't die for me to do nothing here on earth. He died for me to bring him glory. So God said, what is the church doing? What is the church doing? We say we got power. We say we have authority. We say we got titles. That don't mean a hill of beans. When you're not doing it in the way Christ did it. You know what? Christ didn't go up there and say, hey, I'm Apostle Jesus. Hey, I'm Evangelist Jesus. Hey, I'm Pastor Jesus. Hey, I'm Teacher Jesus today. No, he didn't do all that. He walked in it. So they knew when they met a prophet. They knew when they met somebody that was sent. They said, Nicodemus said, you had to be sent of God. So he knew who he was. You don't have to come in there and say, clear the house. Here come Bishop Tulo. If Bishop ain't demonstrating Jesus, he's nobody. And he's still nobody. Christ is the head. And when we get above the head, we loose, we just like Satan is. In the church. We bring him in the church. We bring the devil in the church. Matter of fact, he rolled on you when he got here. That's how you get in here. He come in here on us. He come in here to disrupt a Christ-centered church. He come in here to talk, to have people talking about one another. You see what they got now? See what they got? That's what I'm talking about. Taking people money. Taking people money. That's where that money going. Oh, y'all so quiet now. That's, that's where that money going. That's why I tell you, keep your money in your pocket. Go ahead. Keep it in your pocket because if it's about Jesus, if we're doing what we're doing for Jesus, it ain't going to stop him. You can't stop God. I don't care what you do. You can try, but the Bible said no weapon form. It's going to form, but it said it won't prosper. See, God wants us to be Christ-centered. That means everything is centered around him. You better quit trying to be him. You ain't him. He's just allowing you the right, the ability to do what he has already done, but he want to do it through you. You're his temple, y'all. So see, when Jesus walked, Jesus knew his assignment. He knew who he represented. 
He wasn't worried about what people said about him. He was letting the apostles get ready for his departure. He said, everything you saw me do, he said, this is what you're supposed to do when I go be with the Father. I want a Christ-centered church. I want that church to be centered around me. And if we're not centered around him, around his pattern, he's not going to come in the midst of that. This is the other part that I like in Colossians. Listen at this. And he's before all things. Y'all got it? And he's what? He's what? He's what? He's before all things, and by him all things consist, meaning they're held together. Y'all, have you figured it out? We can't do it without it. So why are we trying to live apart from Jesus Christ? He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You're trying to make something work that is not going to work because it's apart from me. But when you connect to that vine, you're going to get all the nourishments you need in every area of your life. He said, I have set it up for you. And the only thing you have to do is go into the word of God and know how it's set up. And whatever problem arise, he said, there's a word in what is written to help you with that situation. The enemy don't want you to go to the word. He wants you to bypass the word. He wants us to have a pity party. How many know when things happen in your life, you just want to lay in it? You don't want to be bothered. Come on, y'all. This money thing, when your money ain't right and everybody want theirs, you just want to lay there and just say, forget all this. I'm tired of all this. But when you know the man, when you know him, you're reminded of what he told you. You're reminded of what his word has said. God has made all grace abound towards us. That we always have all sufficiency in all things to abound to every good work. So God in the natural, it looked like I don't have more than enough. But I don't go on natural, I go on supernatural. I have more than enough to do what need to be done. And I thank you, Father, that it's already covered. God, I've already been covered for this because you said you knew my need even before the need came. You knew what I was in the need of. So he's before all things. So God said, when you keep me first, that's why you got to seek ye first the kingdom and his way of doing things. And the Bible say all of these things shall be added unto you. But if you don't keep him first, you're thinking that the word is not important. You have to stay in that word. So when things come up, the word comes out. When things come up, the word comes out. Y'all got it? When things come up, the word come out. And guess what? One thing that he done, apostle, he seated us with him above these thrones, these principalities. See, he created these thrones, these dominions, these principalities to bring him glory. But they want to cut up after they were created. They want to cut up. So God said, guess what? I got something for your cut up. He said, I already got a plan. I'm coming down there and you're going to be defeated. I'm going to destroy the works of the devil. And the victory is already going to be won for my people. So if my people walk in what I have already done, come on, you safe, you're secure because you seated above those things. You got to see yourself seated above lack, seated above sickness, seated above fear, seated above everything that's come to hinder you. You say, I'm seated above you. That means I have authority 
over you. You don't have authority over me. So I bind you. Come on, come on. That's why you told Peter. He said, Peter, he was asking all of them, who the men say that I am? Ain't an easy evangelist for us to tell them. Well, this is who they say you are. They say you Elijah's. They say you Jeremiah's. Then he said, who do you say that I am? Some of us don't even know. Who am I? Who are you? Willie. Willie, no Willie. Willie, no Willie. So we got to know who he is. So guess what? Peter. That's why he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Because Peter said, who did Peter say he was? You are the son, the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, Peter, flesh and blood. Did not reveal that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And Peter, upon this rock, I build my church. Jesus is the rock that he's given Peter permission to build his church because Peter is an apostle. He's the one that's sent. So as Peter lay that foundation, oh, y'all, we're talking about this in Clem. And I'm going to tell you how Christ-centered church was supposed to be. And I'm going to give you some illustrations, okay? This is how it is. Evangelist Newton, come up here. Come up here, Apostle Cross. Come up here, Manny. Come up here, Jamie. Come up here, um, Jennifer Porter. Um, who else can I use? I'm just giving y'all an illustration. How many I got? One, two, three. I got five? One, two, three. Okay, we're going to use all this. Come on, Jamie. I'm going to show y'all something. I'm going to show you how we have to be a Christ-centered church. First of all, the church is supposed to be built according to his pattern. And if it's not built according to his pattern, it's going to fall. Okay? First of all, we got to understand that he is the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. Without him, we can't even build a church. He has to be the cornerstone, right? But this is how some churches are being built. You see churches today with pastors with teachers and evangelists. That's it. With those type churches, the pastor is the roof. That's the covering of the church. A pastor cover, a pastor love, a pastor protect. This roof that's up here, guess what? It, if it didn't have, well, it got to have walls to stand, right? You just can't have a roof without no walls. So what's happening is the pastor is trying to run the whole church by himself, Jesus is over here as the chief cornerstone. It's just a part of that that's lifted up, right? So then you have the pastor running the whole church with the teaching and everything else, but the church is on the ground because it don't have nothing to help it stand. So people are trying to get in there, so what they got to do is literally try to lift up the roof to get up under the roof because the pastor is overweighted because the pastor is trying to do everything. That's not how the church is supposed to be built. The Bible lets us know that it takes the fivefold. So say Christ is the cornerstone. You have apostles. Grab my hand, apostle. You have apostles that's coming together, you know, working together, apostles and prophets. Hold my hand, Jennifer. Build the foundation, right, of the church. As they build the foundation of the church, you have the teachers. Now, many of them, I got to build a foundation first. Y'all build me some walls around here. I'm going to need more people. 
Build a foundation for me. Make me a foundation. Kathy? Okay, let's do this. Okay, we're building the foundation, right? Next, we got to have some walls. This is what teachers do, y'all. Teachers come in there and they uh, dissect, right? They dissect the word of God. So the teachers make up the rooms that's in the house. You have a lot of rooms in a house, right? So we got our walls that's in the house, right? We got our prophets. We got our apostles. We got our teachers. Guess what this evangelist is supposed to do? Move on, Kathy. This evangelist supposed to go out and gather and bring the people in the house for us to teach those people, even the evangelist, right? So we have all this. But then we have a pastor that's the roof. So that roof comes in and it covers the house, right? So y'all, what we got? We got a house, don't we? We got everything we need in that house. But guess what? When we have hospitality, when we have the deacons, when we have the elders, when we have the rest of the clan, the, the helps and all of that, they come in and make the house a home. There you go. Yes, Lord. But you can't do it without the foundation. You can't do it unless the apostle is sent. You got too many churches ran on one man and they're dying and they think they're alive because everybody is pulling on the pastor. And the pastor's over here with a dead body. The pastor's over there with a dead body. Now they call him over here with a dead body. When you got what you need, but you got one man trying to run the show. And everybody love pastor. Because pastor's getting run down for the people. And matter of fact, you got the deacons telling the pastor, you're going to preach this this Sunday. Foolishness. The roofs. It's on the ground. That's why when the storms come and hit these churches, they're gone. Do you know why people are running into these churches? Because they're not Christ-centered. Oh, let me get to this part. Y'all know how I said that Christ is the chief cornerstone. Guess how the glory come in the house, man? Because we got all the fullness of God in it. See, when you got all the fullness of God in it, see, God was, Jesus was representing the fullness of God. He was bringing the fullness in. So when we're lining up with his pattern, the glory of God comes in the house. We have the full, y'all don't understand. Come on, y'all better be giving him some glory. This is why we got to be Christ-centered. Look at your neighbor, say, stay in your lane and get out of mine. Stay in your lane and get out of mine. Thank y'all. See, this is why you need to be taught. So, ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, aren't you tired of running the church? Did they answer you? And if they say yes, say, it's because it ain't your job. I'm going to get me a t-shirt. Dolly, remember this. Aren't you tired of running the church? And then put that yes. Say, because it ain't your job. We got too many people in the house trying to run the house, but don't know the pattern of God. Ain't been taught the right way. Everybody, if we do it his way, it wouldn't be no lack in the body of Christ. 
Oh, got another thing for you. You know why it gets so overbearing when so much be on one person? Because when the fivefold teach you, let me tell you what the enemy trying to do. He's trying to destroy that foundation. See, if he can get the apostle, the one that's sent to give up, that house is going to be leaning. That foundation wasn't set right. See what I'm saying? You got to get the right apostle. You got to get the right prophet. You got to get the right teachers, the right pastors, the right evangelists. You got to watch the ones that um, God have you watching, that God has you raised. See, that's why it's good to be raised up under a man or woman of God that know you and you know them and they know him, first of all. So that way you won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You won't be over here and you won't be over there, but you will be where God has planted you to be. This is why God said, when I plant you in a place, that's where you're supposed to be planted. That's why the house is rocking. Because we're putting people in position that God didn't say to put in position. And you wonder why stuff is blowing through the house? Because you got the wrong one. Because if you got the right one and it blow through, you say, wait a minute. I'll put it like this. I knew this little young fella. He was no younger than that. And he was mocking, mocking preachers. So he went out with this preacher. Jennifer, remember this. He was mocking the preaching. He didn't know nothing but tradition. But that night, the power of God is what we were being taught. So this girl was teaching on demons. And he went out with her on a demon trip. He come back in the house. He said, there's a demon up in here. <laughs> First trip, he was seeing demons. So now he was ready to cast out some demons. That's, that's a joke. He, he wasn't in the right place. Because he was too full of tradition. Traditions of men make the word of God in none effect. See, in a house like this, this Christ-centered, you can't have tradition. Because it's going to shake the house. The foundation is going to be shaken when you got a pastor that's about tradition and is not about being Christ-centered. So you're wondering, when these storms come in here, why is this house shaking? Why is this house shaking? Why is it division in this house? See, that's why Paul went back and looked at the churches to see how the churches was running because he set up those churches. He planted those churches. And the ones I believe that Paul didn't plant, he could go in with permission to say, uh-uh, uh out of order. That's what an apostle does. Apostle trained, they equip. They make sure that their people are in the place that they need to be in. They pull out of place that don't supposed to be in place. So everywhere you think you're supposed to be, and if it ain't working, God is going to check me and say, check that one. So he said, I want a Christ-centered church. When I have a Christ-centered church, there's nothing that comes amongst you that don't die that's not about me. He said, but when you don't have a Christ-centered church, see, this is why you stay up under a Christ-centered church. This is the foolishness mess I ever seen. I ain't never seen people that's under a Christ-centered church and go into a dead church. How can you be in a Christ-centered church and go into a dead church? What am I saying, a dead church? The traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. That means ain't no power in the house. It's dead. So how can you be in a house full of power and say, 
My time is up. I don't feel the same thing I used to feel. Probably because you need to be delivered and don't want to. Apostle ain't like she used to be. I'm going from glory to glory. Where you been? Apostle ain't like she used to be. Because every time I grow up, there's a change. There's a change. See, I ain't going to know more. Come here, Thea. See, when I first met Thea, we was talking about a Christ-centered church. And, and by the way, I want to tell y'all this. To be an apostle, you got to walk in all the other callings. He ain't going to put you as an apostle and you don't know what a pastor does, a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist. You got to be done walk down that road. So see, when I first met this chick right here, I had to stay near the cross. You know, I'm playing right up there. I did have to stay near the cross. Because she was hurt. Toe up from the floor up. Y'all heard of Thea's testimony. She don't mind me giving you her testimony. Thea thought she was in a Christ-centered church. And I remember every time I would see a Thea somewhere, this chick here was trying to get me to go in her church. I said, I ain't going in your church. God ain't told me to go in your church. Well, you know, we having this right here. And I believe you be the right one to come on up in there. I said, no, I won't. Never entered the church. All right. This little chick here had a mindset of her own. Mindset that she had was, you do me wrong. I'm through with you. Don't want to talk to you. I smile at you. Don't want to have nothing to do with you. So when I first met Athea and she come into the church, this first thing I told Athea, oh, I'll let you tell it. Get your mic, Athea. Because Athea was about Athea now. How many know when you have church hurt, you bring it into another church? If you don't get over that, everybody that's in the church is going to look suspicious to you. So, Athea, what did you have to do? I had to go back. And apologize. Even though in my mind, I'm thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. The wrong was done to me. So Apostle, we were standing back there, myself and Darlene Adams, and Apostle said, you have to go back and apologize to them. And she wouldn't even look at me when she said it because if she probably would have looked at me, she probably would have saw all these demons and stuff. <laughs> I'm thinking, I mean, I'm being honest because I'm thinking to myself, and I said, why should I have to go apologize to them? And I'm looking at her smiling. And I'm thinking to myself, why should I have to go back and apologize to them? They're the one that did it to me. And I got to go back and apologize to them? But I did. But I wasn't going to. I was going to be disobedient. And a, and a cousin of mine, she was going to go with me because she came out of that church also. And she called me. She said, are you going? And she said, no. She said, where are you? And I said, I'm at the hog pen with my nephew. She said, you better go get ready because we're going. So we went. And when we walked in that church, the pastors looked at me like, oh, my goodness, what's getting ready to happen now? But we, I went back there, and I apologized to them, and I let it go. But I had to go back and get it right, not for them. And mind you, they never, not one time did they say, I'm sorry. 
that I apologize to you. But is that a Christ-centered church? Some people say, well, why would she have to go back? Because she was harboring hurt. And until she dealt with it, it was going to keep dealing with her. Even in here, it was dealing with her, and I was seeing. It was affecting her giving. The rope was. Yes, ma'am. She didn't want to help nobody in here. Nobody. Because they had done her so wrong over there, she didn't want to give in here. So me, as the one that God put over the house, saw what was affecting her, and I said, you got to get this right, because if you don't get it right, it ain't going to be right up in here. And I know I ain't allowing that to put you on nothing until you get it right. See, it's too many people stuck in places with attitudes. It's too many people stuck in places with unforgiveness, with offense. See, the ministry that God puts you in, he want to root up. See, this is what an apostle do. Apostle go in to root up, to tear down. She can't build and plant, or he can't, until you root up stuff that's laying dormant. And people get mad at me when I go in and say, uh-uh, this is what's affecting you. This is what you got to deal with until this is rooted up. Nothing can be built. Nothing can be planted. So if we're not Christ-centered, which is word-centered, he is the word, y'all, we're going to miss out on a lot of things. The churches are missing out on a lot of things because guess what? People are trying to be Lord over God's people. You are not Lord over God's people. He is the head of the body. Why do y'all think my mean thing when I pray is, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. I've been crucified. My life is not my own. The life I now live in the flesh, I live according to the faith that's in him. Everything I do is dealing with him. It's not dealing with me because if I allow it to deal with me, it won't be done the way he wanted it done, and I'm not doing it his way. I'm doing it my way, and it would never work. He said, I want a Christ-centered church. And that church is going to have to be built on the right foundation, on the ones I have sent, not the ones that people say, get that one, get that one, get that one. No, I do the getting. Not y'all. Because whom God put in place, nobody can't move them by money. In that case, Jesus. In that case, it's been 18 years. We've been done shut down. If it was about the money, y'all, the doors would have been closed. Y'all better, y'all better wisen up and know what you have. Because if it was about the money, the doors would have been shut. But we want to be Christ-centered. We want to do things the way that God would have us to do them. And first of all, let me say this. When I done this illustration, I wasn't trying to leave nobody out. I was doing the illustration to show you how we build a house. So see, sometimes the enemy get offended and say, well, I'm a prophet. You ain't called me up there to stand up there as no prophet. What is an illustration? Please, somebody tell me. What? You sure? It's a picture. See, this is why I say, this is why you. Go. That's why I stay near the cross. See, the cross keep me in check. You know why the cross keep me in check? You can't forget about the cross. Because the cross will help you to remember it ain't because of what you've done. It's because of what I've done. So when you get off focus, 
He said, focus yourself on me and what I done for you because ain't nothing you can do or you can ever do to put yourself in the kingdom. He said, you got to come through me. And if you're trying to get to the kingdom with you showing up on time with how much money you get, you're going to be left right where you at. Because it got to be Christ-centered. Everything got to be centered around Christ. And when it's centered around Christ, you don't have crazy, messed up stuff in the church. You don't have people bringing the world. You know, I get so tired of people making excuses. This is the excuses these days. Well, how are people going to get better if you don't invite them to do what you're doing? The devil already in your face. But let me tell you something. First of all, if they ain't born again, they cannot release his glory. God is not going to use a, wait a minute, no, let me get you wrong. He did use the donkey, but the spirit had to come upon the donkey for him to use the donkey. Right? Guess what, y'all? But guess what? The donkey went back to the donkey, didn't he? See, back then, he, he allowed his spirit to come upon people to get something done. But now, because of Jesus, the spirit comes in us. And when the spirit indwells us, that means that we're his. And we're sealed to the day of redemption. So I cannot walk with the sinner, and I'm saved, and both of us up here trying to sing for Jesus. Because if he, do, he or she do sing for me, he's going to change. Or she's going to change because the power of God is going to hit them. And they're going to say, what must I do to be saved? So if they ain't saved by now and they still out there doing some raggedy mess, how can you, <coughs> how can you justify that? Look at your neighbor and say, that's not justification. Isn't God good? And all the time. He's good. I thank him for everything that he's done and everything that he's doing in this house. So this is my word to you. If you are in a Christ-centered church, don't be moved. How are you not moved? Go with me to Psalms chapter 1. This is how you're not moved. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Y'all, blesses the man that you don't get advice, that you don't be sitting with sinners and asking them what you need to do in your church. You don't sit with ungodly folk and get advice from ungodly folk and think that they're supposed to know the word. But this is what it says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law do he meditate day and night. So you know what that means? When you get the word of God, you have to meditate. And the more you meditate, it didn't only say in the daytime, but it say at night. Let me tell you what happens when you meditate. This is what meditation does. Have y'all ever seen a cow 
and you pass by a cow and they you know you don't really pay it no mind but come back by that cow you ain't swallowed that yet I believe that cow is saying I'm going to make this last because if I make it last even when I don't have none I feel like I got some. You know what I'm saying? When you meditate on the word of God, what it does is it's getting it in your heart. You taking that word and you dividing that word and you muzzling over that word. When you say, and by Jesus Christ, I was already healed. You're not only speaking it, in your mind you're saying it over and over and over and over. Tanya, when you was in law school, you didn't just go in there and take your studies lightly. What you did, you had to go over it and over it and over it and over it. When you finished law school, that's when you had to start applying what you learned. Is that not right? How many years did it take you? Three plus four. Woo! Child, you could have went how many more and been a doctor? Seven years, right? You know that mean completion. Wow. Seven years in law school. So, Tanya. Somebody walk up in your office, you know the law, and they come up in your office and they're trying to tell you about the law. You're going to sit there and let them dictate to you what the law says. See, see? she said that ain't going to happen because she got the authority. She's the attorney. She's she going to say, wait a minute now, I don't went to law school for seven years. I know what the law says. So if you want me to represent you? You better come on down where you need to be. Is that not right? Because she know the law. And she's only going to represent by the law, not let the Holy Ghost say, Tanya, this is how it's going to go in this courtroom. So she know the law because she studied the law. And even sometimes if you're unsure, you know what the law is saying, you're going to pull out that book. Is that not right? And she's going to go back to make sure the laws haven't changed. Because sometimes things are updated. Is that not right? So she got to make sure the law has not changed. The reason why I'm saying this, because I remember one time I went to Tanya on somebody's behalf, and the Lord was giving me a reassurance about this person, but Tanya said, now, I'm going to tell you what the law is saying. The law is saying they're supposed to get nine years. You remember that year, Tanya? They're supposed to get nine years. I ain't going to call no names. For this type charge, which was dealing with drugs, and what type it was, the law says they're supposed to get nine years. Thea was in on this thing. So I'm taking the person to the court, but the Lord told me what to tell this person, right? I said, look, when you go in there, keep your mouth shut. Don't you say nothing. That man up there is in charge. Keep your mouth shut. Okay. Get in the courtroom. They're chewing gum so hard because they're in line waiting to go see the job. I said, give me the gum. Next thing I know, we're sitting there, and they're going to have a walk. I said, if you don't give me. That walk. And I said, what did I tell you? You're going to get some favor, but you act like you don't want to listen. You're going to listen today. So anyway, they had to change things up, and I had to get Athea to take the person up there. Athea and Deborah. So they got the rough end of the stick. But I already knew God was going to give favor. So they stood before the judge. Books say nine years. Judge gave him eight months. And said, if you do good in these eight months, he said, you could get out in six months. 
child, let me tell you something. They did good. And they come out. But this is what I'm telling you. God will favor you. Because that judge let them know, you're supposed to get nine years. But this is what I'm going to do for you today. So what am I telling you? When you meditate on anything, nobody should be able to change your mind. Because, Julia, you know how it's supposed to go. Julia, when you know how to make that toner, and you know how many eggs you put in that toner, and I say, Julia, I don't think I'm putting that many eggs in that toner. But you say, Apostle, I'm telling you, you put that many eggs in that toner, that toner good. Only thing I'm seeing is more eggs than I'm seeing toner. But then she know because she meditated on it. She done ate it, and it's mm-mm good. And she's trying to get me linked with all them eggs. And I'm saying, I'm just going to put two right now, and I ain't going to do what you do, Julia. But she knew. She knew how it was going to taste. So you couldn't change her mind because she already done went down that road. She know how good it's good. That's what meditating does. It, when the more you meditate, your heart is getting changed. See, God said, I want you to come out of head knowledge. He said, I need heart knowledge. When I get heart knowledge, you're going to begin to speak faith-filled words. He said, the words we're speaking, it is the word of God, but it's not faith-filled. You're not believing what you're speaking. Let me give you examples. Jesus, when he walked the earth, when he come, looked at a fig tree far off, y'all know he was human. He was hungry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You hungry, trying to get to the restaurant fast as you can, long line ahead of you, buffet way over there, and you mad, don't want nobody to talk to you, getting a headache, stomach growling, and you like... Get on away from them potatoes. You've been there long enough. Anyway, Jesus saw that tree afar off. Jesus said, Woo, I'm gonna eat me some figs today. Jesus get to the tree. He said, Liar, liar. Your pants on fire. He said, The day nobody would be able to eat from you from this day forward. Why? Because the tree was speaking to him afar off. But Jesus began to speak to the tree. He said, because that ain't the way we created you. What's wrong with you? You ain't fooling nobody else. Guess what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't sit there and say, die. Die, I said. You ain't dead yet. Jesus walked off. Went about his father's business. You know why? Because he had faith in what he spoken. He didn't need for nobody to check the tree. He didn't have to stand by the tree. He left the tree dead when he left. And then he come back. Master, master, tree that you curse is dried up at the root. Jesus like, <laughs> he said, have faith in God. And you can speak to a mountain and tell that mountain to move. He said, but you can't doubt in your heart. You can say to that mountain. So what he's telling us today is, he said, there's nothing wrong with my word. He said, the problem is with us. We just don't have faith in the word. And he said, this is the funny part. I have given you faith to believe my word. He said, you can't even believe my word on your own. That's why I have given you faith to take me at my word. He said, that's why I say, let God be true. And every man become a liar. So when you take God at his word and say, God, this is what's going on. But that ain't what you said. So God, I thank you for your strength and ability to be able to stand according to what you're saying and not how I'm feeling right now. So God, I thank you that you are God and not man, that you should lie. Neither the son of man that you shall repent. Have you not said it, God? Shall you not do it?
Have you not spoken it? Shall you not make it good? God, you said your word will not come back to you void, but it'll go out and accomplish what you sent it to do. God, it will go out and perform. You'll hasten in your word. Guess what? God say, daughter, I'm watching over my word to perform it in your life. I'm hastening my word. That's what it means. When he said hasten, I'm watching over it because I know that my word is full of power. He said, so that's why you got to take my word for what it is. Don't just speak it to get yourself to believe it. Speak it because you know my words don't change. You got to have faith in my word. When you have faith in my word, you don't have to check nothing. You just go on about your business and say, God, that's what you said. And I'm going on what you said. That's why Abraham can stand. Even though he know he was old and Sarah was old, he said, I ain't going on my body. He said, I ain't denying that I'm old. I ain't denying that Sarah's Sarah wound is, is shut. Only thing I know is, God, this is what you said. So I'm fully persuaded because of what you said. I'm not going on how I feel. God, you got to honor your word because that's what you said. Then this man going to honor his word and then say, take that son and kill him. He'll try you, won't you? Won't he? But Abraham trusted God so much in his word. He said, God, if you kill him today, you got to bring him back to life because you will not go back on your word. That's what you told me. So I'm going to kill him. Abraham, don't you lay hands on him. He had a ram in the bush, which was Jesus Christ. Come on, y'all. This is what he do for us. So we have to take the word. When your family is going through, you got to be word-minded. You got to say, wait a minute, this is what the word is saying. When husband and wife is going through, this is what the word is saying. We have to be there for one another. Body of Christ, we have to be there for one another. When one member suffer, all members suffer with that one member. When one member is rejoicing, all members rejoice. But what do the members do when somebody's rejoicing over what God done? Well, God, I've been serving you for 20 years. You ain't gave me nothing yet. I ain't rejoicing. I ain't saying no hallelujah. I paid for that anyway. God is still good. He is good. Real good, y'all. So God is saying, I want you to be a Christ-centered church. And the reason I want you to be Christ-centered, so you can experience all the fullness of God. And the reason why we're not experiencing the fullness of God is not because he don't want to bring in the fullness. It's where people's mindsets are. It's what people want to decide to do. Miracle Temple, this is why the enemy is trying to pull people away from this church. Because he know that God want to raise you up. That God want to put you in the place that he will have you to be. So the enemy takes our mind off of God and he put our mind in different areas on different things so we can't be Christ-centered. Y'all, we have victory in him and he want us to live out this victory. He said, you cannot live out this victory outside of me. So it's time for us to use this authority that God has given us. God's word has power, y'all. And when you release those faith-filled words, the Holy Spirit released the power, and you begin to see the manifestation. You're supposed to actually see the manifestation even before you open your mouth. Because the word is nigh you, 
even in your mouth, even in your heart, the word of faith that all of us are supposed to be proclaiming. Y'all, it's not about me. It's not even about you. It's all about him. And when Mitch sung that song, oh, Jesus, Mitch, God, use you with that song, buddy. Because, see, you ain't even making it about Mitch. You're making it all about him. And that's why you feel so much freedom. When it gets to it's not about money, it's not about what, Mitch? Fame, title. You don't even have to know my name. Come on, somebody. Ain't that a good song? You don't even have to know my name. You don't. Because when we walk in a place, I don't care. Call me whatever you want to call me because I ain't representing me anyway. I'm representing Christ. As long as you ain't talking about him, yeah, all right. Uh, I walked in the place. This man said, actually, it was a funeral home, darling. Walked in there, and the man shook my hand. He said, he, he was scared to shake my hand. He said, um, uh, is it Reverend? Uh, is it Pastor? I don't know what to call you. Apostle, I said, just call me my name. I don't know what, I said, how you doing? It ain't about titles, y'all. It's not. It's about building a spiritual house. So if I'm stuck on title, I ain't good to none of you. If every time I turn around and I say, Julia, it's a pastor, not pastor. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to take you in my office and teach you how to say my name. <laughs> but it ain't about that. It ain't about somebody saying, Evangelist Athea. Yeah, 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 that's me. Say it again. Say it again. That sounds so good. If they said that, she'd be like, huh? Who you talking to? What you talking about? My name is T. Well, it's actually Ophelia, but you call me T. Because it ain't about us. It's about him. And when you walk in a place, people going to know who you are and who you represent, y'all. So let's take our mind off of that. Now, you, re- you honor those that God has put in place because the Bible tells you to do that. But when you put them above God, you are out of place because he is the head. But when you see somebody doing a good work for God, you want to join in to what they're doing and you want to help them to do what they are doing. Y'all, I don't want nobody misplaced in the body of Christ. This is why me personally, I watch your walk. If you can't clean a toilet, you ain't going to be able to clear a room. Not well, you're not. If you can't be on time, if you can't help in other areas, you think I'm going to let you say, well, God said, is that God or is that you? Because a rebellious person that's going to be rebellious, how are you going to bring what God is saying? If you cannot submit to the leader that God has put you up under, how are you submitting to God, darling? How are you coming in here with a word from the Lord and you can't even submit to the authority? Because people want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be attached to. And if you don't see me, hear me, or attach to me, then I'm going to put you out there. I'm going to sabotage you so people can see me now and not you. So church, let's be Christ-centered. Let's do it the way he wanted it done. And let's quit trying to pick and choose based on lifestyle. Because God will use whomever he want to use whenever he want to use them. If we have a drunk to walk through the door, God will clean them up right then and put them in place. If he choose to put them in place, because he said, I need them right now. Didn't he do Saul like that? But he had all the law. But God perfected his life and said, now you Paul. 
So I'm telling you, y'all, God is saying, I want you to know the truth. And once you know the truth, have knowledge of the truth, he said, that's when you're going to be made free. So let's work together to be a Christ-centered church. Do it his way, not our way. And when things get out of order, we want to say, okay, let's see what the word has to say on this. Let's see what's written about this. And let's do it this way. We're not going to do it any other way. You cannot have people walking alongside of you that don't get in the word. It won't work, y'all. Because the Bible says when two or three are gathered in my name, who name? He said, I'm in the midst of them. And guess what else he told me? I'm getting ready to close. This was so awesome. He said, you know, he said, remember, now I made everything, right? I said, yes, you did, God. You done proved that. You done took me all through this Bible to tell me that you done made. I guess he said, you're going to get this today. Because <laughs> sometimes we have a tendency to forget when we get overwhelmed. He said, now I made everything, right? I said, yeah, you made everything. He said, I made thrones, dominions. He said, I made invisible, invisible, right? I said, yeah, Lord, you did that. He said, without me, nothing would be made. I said, yeah, Lord, that's what you said. That's what the word says. He said, so if I did all that, he said, this is the next thing that I want you to know. I want y'all to go with me to the book of Philippians. Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 9. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. Y'all know why? Because he made everything. He created everything. So when we say in the name of Jesus, everything is bowing. Because he's the word. Y'all don't get it. So he said when you use my name, and you know I made everything. Don't use my name just to use it. Use it because you know it got to bow to my name. Because I created it. So when things come to attach to you, say, in the name of Jesus, you detach. Because you don't belong here. So that's why how important his name is. He's above everything. So everything have to operate according to him, the way he created it, y'all. Y'all keep meditating on that, keep studying on that. And I tell you, the more you meditate, the more you study on it. When things come in your life, you say, ah, that's a lie. That ain't what the word of God says. You got to leave. You got to get up out of here. You're not welcome here in the name of Jesus. So this is what? We supposed to be doing church. We supposed to be Christ centered. We're spending too much time in Egypt and not enough time in the word of God. We supposed to focus on the word. If we focus on the word, we ain't worrying about what's going on around us because we know we have authority over it. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Isn't God good?